Hey, it's so great that you can be with us for church today. Whether you call Liverpool One Church your home church or whether this is your first time tuning in with us and joining us online, you're so very welcome. We believe God is about everyone. And right now we believe God is about every device. So whether you're watching us on your laptop or your phone, whatever screen or, or device you're using, you are so welcome and we're glad that you are with us. And so we invite you right now to get comfortable, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's message called Dealing With Doubt. Well, hey there, Liverpool One Church. Welcome to another edition of one of our online services. Because the truth is right now, we have no idea how long this is actually gonna be rocking and rolling for. We just don't know how long it's gonna be before we're able to physically meet together again as a church family and community. But I wanna say this from the off, like we are missing you. I mean, Emma and I, we are praying for you guys and we're just missing being around all of you. So right now we're in this season where we're trying to make church happen from our kitchen, <laughs> from literally out of any given room in our house to try and bring you some content that's just going to spur you on, see you run stronger in your lane of faith as we champion you as part of Liverpool One Church. But let me start off by saying this, maybe if you are here online today and you're just checking things out, maybe like going to church is not what you ordinarily do, maybe receiving an invite to church would just freak you out, but someone sent you a link and just said, hey, why don't you watch and follow with us online this Sunday and you're just checking us out from afar. I just wanna give you a personal invitation and say, hey, we are so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're checking things out and that is absolutely a-okay with us. It is cool that you can come as a Bible-believing person or as a non-Bible-believing person. Absolutely, every single one of us can all find a home right here online with us at Liverpool One Church. This season that we're in right now is a little bit crazy and we're not gonna go over a load of that because everybody knows of all the struggles and the tensions that we're all dealing with. But one of the things that I wanna to talk to you about today is how you deal with doubt. Now, when it comes to doubt, if you're anything like me, you'll probably find that doubt in your Christian life can affect you to varying degrees at varying different times and seasons in your world. It affects every single one of us because the truth is, is doubt is no respecter of person or position. I mean, think about it like this. You could be like a super intelligent, switched on guy or girl, and you've got like the 2.4 family thing going on. You've got everything in your world that just looks perfect. And the more perfect your life becomes, it's so easy for you to doubt the need that you have for God in your life. You can be like, well, if I've got all of this, if I've made all of this, if I've done all of this myself, what would I even need God for? And then when you start to think like that, isn't it really easy that then you start to ask the question, well, if I don't really need God, then is God even real anyway? And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum where you get a bunch of people who are genuinely experiencing hardships and difficulties. And because of the situations that they've got going on in life, you know, it kind of makes you ask all of these questions all over again. Like when someone gets sick or when there's a financial need or when stuff relationally is not working out for you and you don't feel like you've got the 2.4 perfect family, then you start to say, well, God, are you even real? Do you know what we're going, do you not know what I'm going through? Have you got no idea what I've got going on in my plate right now? And then there's a bunch of people as well who are just 
you're skeptical that you're just like, so hang on a sec, you go to church and you profess to follow the one and only God by believing in his one and only son, Jesus, and you sing songs to him and you give of your time, your treasure, your talents to this Christian faith life that you've got. I don't really see the point in that. Like, come on, seriously, it's 2020. I'm not really sure that that's a thing that we need to all be dealing with. And I get it because we're all the same and that doubt can affect any single one of us at any given time. That's why we want to talk about this particular issue because maybe you are a Christian. And if you are, and if you've been a follower of Jesus for more than just like three minutes, chances are that at some point you've been asked this question. Like um, I get asked this all the time. People say, so do you, um, do you ever doubt? And they kind of like ask it in this way, like, come on, give us a, give us the real insight to who you are, to how you really see it, because you lead a church. Tell me what you really think. And I always answer them truthfully. I just say, never, like only sinners doubt. No, I'm joking. Seriously, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I doubt stuff all of the time. I've got immense questions. And the more times you see stuff happening around the world, yeah, I'm the same as you. It causes questions to rise up on the inside of my thought life. And I doubt too, because we're all not that different. But what's fascinating to me when we talk about doubt is that when you start to look back through the history and timeline surrounding Jesus, what we find out first and foremost is this, that 100% of the first century followers of Jesus, well, they were all doubters. Like they all had massive doubts. And why wouldn't they? Because this Jesus movement that they were all buying into following, this was crazy to so many people in the same way that the idea of you coming to church today, to many, just seems crazy to them. Well, in the first century, these disciples were experiencing this exact same thing. And what we're gonna look at today is this idea that I think that Jesus tries to teach into us that follow him, where he basically spills the beans and he tells it like this. He says, look, you don't have to be able to describe and teach about everything you profess to know in order to be able to follow something. If I was to give you one line of a statement, it would be this. You don't need to be able to explain everything to believe something. And that's the premise of the conversation that we wanna have with you from my kitchen right into the depths of your living room as we explore this topic of how do we really deal with doubt. Now, what you've got to understand is that there are many different stories that give us an insight into how Jesus really thinks about those that doubt him. And there's one particular passage of scripture that we're going to end up at. But before we get there, just let me give you an insight and talk to you about two real quick stories and conversations that happened as almost like the prelude before we get to the, the main part of the scriptural meat that we're going to jump into. You see, there's a common story that if you're a church-going person, chances are you'll have heard of this story. But if you're checking us out online today and you're like not a Jesus person, not a Bible-believing person, then chances are you might have heard of this story too, but maybe not in all of its finite details. There's this one night where the disciples, including Simon Peter, are out fishing on a lake. And then in the middle of the night, Jesus comes out walking to them on the water. And at first, 
they respond in exactly the same way that we would respond. They start freaking out. And Jesus ends up having a conversation with one of them, particularly Peter. And he ends up inviting Peter to come out and stand and walk upon the water with him. I know, like, that's freaking you out right now. Even the idea, it just sends all sorts of questions rolling in my mind too. Like, is that even possible? And Jesus starts to walk on the water in front of Jesus. But then in this moment, he starts to doubt and why wouldn't he? The guy is walking on water. Not only is he now doubting himself, but now he's doubting Jesus can keep him afloat. And as he starts to doubt, well, the guy, he starts to sink. But what's hidden in that story is this statement about how it talks, about how when Peter started to doubt, it tells us that Jesus reached out to Peter. Now, just imagine how this is playing out, right? As Jesus reaches out to Peter, maybe he grabs him by the arm, maybe he grabs him by the shoulder. We don't know the details, but it tells us in scripture that he reaches out to Peter. And as he reaches out to him, he asks him this question. He says, Peter, why are you doubting me? At the same time that he's holding on to Peter, like, he doesn't do what I would do. If that were me, I'd get all offended that someone was no longer believing in me. I'd be all upset at the fact that somebody started to doubt me. I would probably have let Peter go, but not Jesus. Jesus holds on to Peter right in the middle of his doubting moment. And he asks him, Peter, why do you doubt me? And I think that the truth in that story is the same that can be found for each and every one of us today. The reality is, is that no matter where life finds you, there's gonna be times and seasons where you're gonna doubt God. There's gonna be times and seasons where you doubt your faith. And that can happen when you're single, like when you're praying and you're earnestly asking and believing that God's gonna bring into your world the perfect wife or the perfect husband. And then it just seems like the months go by and the years go by and you're, you're trying to play the cards right. You're trying to trust in Jesus. You're trying to pray to God as best as you know how. But the longer it goes on and the longer that you don't have that life partner coming into your world, what do you do? Well, you do the same thing that we would all do in that situation, but we start to doubt. Then we start to say, well, God, do you even care? God, do you even know? Like, God, are you even, are you even real? And it's the same when you go through a financial struggle or a job transition that doesn't work out, or the contract isn't signed, and now all of a sudden you've got to weigh up how things are going to work out for you at home in the family life. How are you going to continue to be faithful and pay the mortgage? How are you going to pay the rent, right? Because when the money gets tight, everything starts to feel stressed. What do we do? We start to say, well, God, why aren't you answering my prayers right now? God, why, why aren't you fixing this for me? Why aren't you giving me the immediate answer that I want and I demand from you? And I think that we all struggle with this sometimes. We all want God to give us the immediate answer to all of our questions. And then when he doesn't, it makes us go, well, God, are you even real? Like, is this faith thing that we're following, is it even true? Is it reliable? You know, we all know what it's like sometimes to go through a health situation and feel like, am I dealing with this all on my own? God, can't you fix this? Can't you sort this? Well, the same story that Jesus tells us how he responded to Peter when he was doubting, is a picture for how Jesus responds to you and I even today when we're doubting. He reaches out, he grabs hold of you, and he doesn't let you go even in the midst of your doubt.
He doesn't let you go. And what's funny is for me, I feel that there are many people, especially in the church world, and we are terrible for this. We feel like the moment that anybody offers up a sense of doubt or a question, we treat that as being so abrasive. We want to like point them to just have more faith, just believe in God more, just kind of, you're not trusting Jesus enough. When actually that isn't what Jesus did when Peter was doubting, he just reached out and he held him and he kept his head afloat and let him know that it's okay for you to doubt right in the midst of being in the very presence of Jesus. And that is exactly the same for each and every one of us. But you know what? There's another story that often gets really misinterpreted throughout scripture. And it's a conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples. And it's found in Matthew 21, 21. And Jesus had been out and about conducting what some would say is maybe a minor miracle, although I believe every miracle is just crazy incredible, especially when you read the gospel accounts. And if you've got time on your hands in this season, I would strongly encourage you, read the gospel accounts, read like a couple of chapters from a gospel every single day, and then maybe partner that with reading a proverb from the Old Testament. It's such a wise thing to do. It's such a beneficial thing that you can be doing with your time right now. But going back to the story in Matthew 21, there's this other conversation that starts to happen where Jesus says to his disciples, he makes this statement. He says, truly, I tell you that if you have faith and do not doubt, in other words, he's saying this, like if you believe that God is really God and God can do God-like things, then God can do incredible things right before your eyes. He goes on to say this, that you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Now, we have not done this passage of scripture any justice whatsoever, especially in our Western church world and Western way of thinking. But remember, Jesus is speaking to a bunch of disciples, the likes of Peter, James, John, and Andrew. These boys will have known the Torah. These guys, they will have known exactly what the scriptures recount. They would have known that Jesus was not giving them some kind of flippant, off-the-cuff way of praying to God, these guys would have had far too much respect for our Heavenly Father to even think that way. That's how we think, but it wasn't what Jesus was saying. Some people think that this is almost Jesus saying that you can treat like God is the, is the genie inside the lamp, that if you just do it a certain way, then all of a sudden the genie pops out and gives you whatever you dream, desire, or wish for. But these disciples, these knew, they knew that this wasn't how this thing was gonna work out. They understood that what Jesus was saying to them was this, hey, look, guys, I know that you think that moving a mountain is a big deal, but to God, it's not a big deal. Guys, I know that you think that walking on water is a big deal, but to God, it's just not a big deal. I know that you think that feeding 5,000 people plus women and children is a big deal, but honestly, to God, it's just not a big deal. But what is a big deal is what God can do in you and through you when you choose not to doubt. He was saying what God can do in the life of any believer that chooses not to doubt is just incredible. And that then leads us on to, I guess, another conversation that happens that can be found in John chapter six. And this is going to be the, the main sort of passage of scripture that we're going to go to right now, because this is all about a moment in the timeline of history, when I think most of the disciples that have been walking with Jesus for all of this time 
really did think about quitting. Like this is a story that recounts a time when they all wanted to, to just walk away because of the immense doubt that they were all dealing with and raging with within their minds and their thinking. Because what they were seeing just all of a sudden didn't start to tally up. The context of the story is this, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people, although it was way more than that, right? And he's just fed them and there's no better miracle than a miracle than consists of food, especially when the food is free. That is the best miracle ever, right? So Jesus has just done this miracle and everybody is like in awe. They are like, this is incredible. Have you just seen what Jesus has done? And now with everybody sat around and now everybody's giving Jesus their full and undivided attention. Jesus starts to speak into their life and he starts to say some things that really, if we're being super honest, were just kind of crazy. In fact, if we were there listening to Jesus speak, we might have, have thought the same thing too. And Jesus says this in John chapter six, he's talking about how I am the bread of life. And what he was meaning was, look, hey, if you eat ordinary, regular bread, you're gonna get hungry again. But if you treat your relationship with me as though I am the bread of life in your life, then you're never gonna be hungry again. And he makes this statement and everyone's looking at each other in confusion and they're sort of like, did he really just say that? And they're a little bit like, where's he going with this? But that is nothing in contrast to what he goes on to say next. Because next he says this, um, if you think that's crazy, just wait for this. He turns around and he says, you've got to understand that you've got to eat my body and drink my blood. Now, granted, even in your living room right now, you're looking at one another thinking, did Jesus really say that? Hey, you can get your Bible out and you can check it out in John chapter six. And everybody in the crowd is now thinking the exact same thing that you're thinking like, well, this is weird. I've got to eat your body and drink your blood. This sounds wrong. So what did they do? Well, they did what you and I might have done if we were there listening to Jesus at that time. It tells us how the crowd started to disperse. Now, this caused immense problems for the disciples because it was the crowd that were the only means of protection between Jesus and the disciples and the Pharisees the religious people that were so eloquent at pointing the finger and telling everybody else where they were going wrong in life. The Pharisees who wanted Jesus arrested couldn't ever get to Jesus because of the crowd. And now when Jesus started to speak and he made those statements with his words, well, it tells us that the crowd started to disperse. And now the disciples of Jesus are thinking, well, if the crowd go, that means the Pharisees can come in. Are we gonna be beaten? Are we gonna be arrested? Like what's gonna to happen to us? And now the disciples are literally teetering right on the edge of should we walk away from this? They are now literally on the brink of seeing their names erased from the entire timeline of history. I mean, it was at this moment they're thinking, should we stick with this or should we get off? Should we stay with this or should we remove ourselves? Should we remain faithful and true to the one that we've been following or should we just now disperse like the rest of the crowd? So what happens next? You hear the disciples having a conversation and then turn around and they say this, they say, this is a hard teaching. Like who can accept this? What are they doing right now? They are asking the same thing that you and I ask often about following Jesus. They're like, this is hard, but like, this is true. And is this really worth it? Like, is this thing actually for real? And is it worth it? Now, the thing that you've got to remember is, is that Jesus, he's smart, right? 
So he turns around and he asks them this question. He says, you don't want to leave as well, do you? He was saying, look, do you want to go? Now I can imagine all the disciples at this point in time, in the middle of their doubt, where they're all thinking about walking away, Jesus says to them, like, are you getting off too? Maybe they were looking at one another, just like anxiously waiting, giving each other a nudge, like, come on, Peter, you speak up. And Peter's staring at John, thinking like, John, you need to answer this. And John's looking at his brother, James, going, James, you need to speak up and you need to answer this. And everyone's thinking, well, we can't lie because Jesus knows everything, right? So we're not going to get away with this easily, are we? What are we going to do? And what do you find? is that Peter speaks up and he asks a question in the middle of his doubt. Now, this is Peter, remember, the one that when he was doubting, when he was walking on the water, that Jesus reached out to and said, Peter, why are you doubting me? Now it's this same Peter that stands up and he asks a question. And it's this question that if you've ever found yourself doubting in life, that you've got to learn the art of asking yourself too. It's this question that brings so much illumination to how we deal with doubt in our Christian faith life, even today. It's this question that really becomes the focus point of what we now need to be thinking about when we are doubting the most. And he turns to Jesus and he says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? He's looking around and he's like, I'm doubting right now, that's true. I am watching the crowds disappear now, that's true. I am worried about how this is gonna work out for me right now. I'm worried, is this true? Is this right? Is this gonna work out? Yes, but seriously, to whom am I going to go to? Where am I gonna go? It's almost like this now becomes the question that we've now gotta ask the most when we're tempted to doubt the most. Because Peter knew that he, if he was gonna walk away from Jesus, then intentionally or otherwise, he was gonna be walking towards someone or something else. Whether he knew where he was going or whether he didn't know where he was going, he knew that when he was walking away from Jesus, he was gonna be heading to someone or to something. And now he starts to weigh it all up and he's like, well, after everything I've seen you do, Jesus, after everything I've heard you say, to whom can I go? Where can I go? It's almost like doubt asks the question, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? And Jesus asks the question, well, if not me, then who? If not me, then who? And then we see Peter making this extraordinary statement. He goes on and he says to Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Now he's saying, even though right now I'm doubting, and even though right now, because of everything that I can see around me, I'm struggling with this, but nobody else has ever offered me your words of eternal life. And now you've offered that to me. To whom can I go? Where can I now go? And it's almost like Jesus was able to deposit a way of thinking into Peter in this moment 
that would see him stand the test of time. All of a sudden now, Peter became awakened to all that God could do in him and through him if he would just choose to remain, if he would just choose to stay and not disappear with the rest of the crowd and not quit when the going gets tough and not choose to no longer believe when everything else that was going on around him felt like it was falling down and apart. And we know what that can, that can feel like. That's something that we can all relate to, right? All of a sudden he became awakened to this idea that if he was just to stay true and run the course and continue following the one that was able to offer him words of eternal life, then imagine what God could do in him and through him. And in closing, I just want to ask this really honest question. When you read scripture, can you not see the same thing that I can find too? That these were all full of doubting men and women. I mean, we could talk about Jonah, we could talk about Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, didn't even believe the whole thing was gonna go down. He was like, virgin birth, are you correct? No, hang on a minute, I am not buying that. Even he was the biggest unbeliever and yet his name is written into the very fabric and timeline of history, why? Because he choose, chose to not disappear with the crowd, but instead to remain faithful and stay the course. I mean, we could think about James, we could talk about Thomas. There was even a guy in the Bible, Thomas, who received a nickname as Doubting Thomas. Now, the crazy thing is, he didn't even get that nickname right at the end of his ministry. Everybody around him would have known that he was the doubter, the one that questioned things, the one that was able to perceive things going on around him. And it caused all of this inner turmoil, like, is this right? Is this true? Is this right? Is this true? And he had it going on all of the time. And yet what we find, is that Jesus included him as part of his inner core, his inner circle, his closest team, and yet he was the doubter. Think about Peter, who we've already discussed. He had moments and times where he questioned things and he just doubted things. And yet what I love and see, which is the same for each and every one of us today, is that the way that Jesus and our Heavenly Father was willing to include and call into his very team and family and be part of this whole Jesus movement, we're all doubters. I think he does exactly the same thing for each and every one of us today. He calls you to be part of his team, to be part of his church, even if you have the questions even if you feel riddled with uncertainty and too many unknowns out there, he still invites you and says you can still be part of this thing, that you can come with your questions and your uncertainties and all of the not knowing that that's absolutely okay. And my request of every single one that calls Liverpool One Church your home church is this. Can we make sure that we never do the very thing that Jesus did not do? Can we make sure that we never repel people because they come with their doubts and they come with their questions and they come with their uncertainties? Can, we, can our response to people who are like doubting Peter and doubting Thomas and doubting Joseph, can our response to those individuals be the same as what our Heavenly Father's response is to us as individuals? It's to reach out and take hold of us and say, hey, why do? 
you doubt. Because if you chose not to, and if you chose to instead just stay the course and think about, well, to whom else am I gonna go? Can you just imagine what God could do in your life and through your life if you just chose not to disappear and walk away? Could you just imagine right now, and let's just get real for a minute and then we'll close. But could you just imagine right now what God could do in your relationship and in your marriage if right now you're thinking that it's got so bad and you're wanting to walk away and quit from the whole thing? Could you just imagine what God could do in you and through you if instead of walking away you chose to stay? Like, could you just imagine right now if you're the guy, the girl that's just facing financial turmoil right now and you don't know how the thing's gonna work out? Can you imagine what God could do in you and through you if you just chose to stay and be faithful with what you have? Or maybe you're at the other side. Maybe you're the flip side of the coin. Maybe you've seen your income increase and increase and you've always honored God with your finances. And as a result of that, you've, you've jumped from promotion to promotion of you and you've earned more. And now you're choosing to be generous and give away more amounts of money. But the more amounts of money that you're giving away, you're saying, is this true? Is this right? Is this true? Is this right? Hey, don't quit and don't walk away now because could you imagine what God could do in you and through you if you just chose to stay and run the course? If relationally right now, you're searching for a loved one. You're searching for someone to marry. Can you just imagine what you'd be walking away from if you went now? Like, just believe and see what God could do in you and through you if you just chose not to walk away. And I know that this is easy to talk about and it's hard to implement, but my prayer and request for every single one of us that calls Liverpool One Church our home and every single one of you that are watching online is that rather than simply asking in the times when we're doubting the most, is it true? Is it true? Is it true that now we'd ask that question that Jesus says, well, if it's not me, then who? I would love to just take a moment and just pray for each and every one of us in this season. And I know that Everyone's got a lot of stuff going on and we just pray that this is gonna be helpful to you. It's gonna encourage you, especially if you're doubting right now. So um, let's just pray for a minute. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that we get to do church together online in the way that we're able to right now. And even though we can't meet together physically, we know that we're still gathering under the one name of Jesus, maybe not in one venue, but still under one name. Father, I pray and ask that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would help all of us that struggle with doubt. Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to trust in you and believe in you, even when it feels hard. And at the times, when we're most tempted to quit and walk away because of everything that we see going on around us and because of everything that we read in the news and because of everything that we hear on the grapevine, Lord, I pray, instead of doubting you, that we would be encouraged to trust in you more as we together ask that question that Jesus asked. Well, if not me, then who? Give us the strength to persevere in these times Encourage everybody in their living rooms and homes from wherever they're watching right now to just know and believe again that you truly are a good God that cares for each and every one of us. And as far as you see us, every single one of us counts to you. Lord, I ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 
Well, hey guys, I hope that you've had fun with us online. Hey, make sure you leave a comment, write a note, connect with us across all of our social media channels. Stay hooked in. Even if we can't be together physically, we can virtually in the online realms. And don't forget as well, I'm still all over that Spotify playlist and you can check that out. It's called Worship Over Worry. Just search Liverpool One Church and you can get a handle on that. Guys, have a great week. See you next week for Church Online. It's been so great that you've been able to join us for Church Online today. Right now, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Without your giving, we wouldn't be able to be the church in the city that we are. We wouldn't be able to meet the needs in our local community. And hey, we wouldn't even be able to come into your living rooms and give you church in the way that we currently are doing. If you would like to partner with us, if you would like to give, then check out the link on the screen below and it will give you multiple opportunities and ways that you can help financially support this work. Well, I got a lot out of that message and I'm sure you did too. And hey, why not check out our YouTube channel? There's a ton of other content on there. And also throughout the week, keep your eye on social media of all of the other stuff that we've got coming up and coming your way real soon. But for now, we will see you same time next week.